sense. Yeah. Good morning. Good day, Zach. How are you? Howdy doody. It's good How's to see going? you. Wonderful to life see is, you. Yeah, life is good. Life is great. Yeah. It's good. It's good. I, uh, I mean, it's, it's wonderful to hear that. You know, we got this crazy world going on right now. Drones are delivering medicine, maybe stuff from Wally World. I haven't seen any of those in action, though, yet. But I have driven past the Walmart. That has a drone-up thing there. I didn't see anything happen. But I'm ready and waiting in anticipation to see it. Actually, I was driving down the road a couple weeks ago, and I saw, like, six drones going over, and I thought it was it. And I was oh, like, no oh, kidding. look. But it wasn't. It was just random drones. Um, wow. Who knows what they were doing. But they were pretty low. Maybe they were. Maybe, honestly, maybe they were the Walmart ones. I couldn't really tell. They're bigger than I thought. I remember a couple weeks ago oh, I yeah. told you. Did you send me that video? Maybe it was a week ago. Two video. How they actually bring down the package was not yeah. how I was anticipating it happened. I was thinking homeboy was just going to come float all the way down, roll yeah. down, drop the package. Just like the. So it's more like the claw, you know, from yeah. Toy Story that's going right. down, pulling that sucker up and down. Yeah, What's I think the that, yeah. On this? Oh, because it was the Chick Fil A thing that that. Oh right, right, right. Yeah, uh, weight thing. I don't. Well, I don't know. Fifteen pounds. Um, no one answered know. my question though. I'm disappointed with the Innovate Hampton Roads LinkedIn response team because I need to know if this now means that I can get my Chick Fil A on Sundays. Oh, I did. You know, I didn't. I missed that comment, Zach. But I would. I would have to venture and say no. Oh. But it is cool that that tech is being created here. It's interesting. You know, they pivoted, right, off of they started uh, originally doing disaster drone relief, basically aerials, to figure out where things were for them to transition into actual delivery last mile of stuff, which is obviously the yeah. biggest barrier. And they still have a – they still do the other things. Oh, okay. Uh, but, but they just uh, – man, this is just such a – innovative uh pivot you know, that, that yeah that it's fun fun to, uh, for folks to talk about living in the future yeah and you drove by the office the other day when you went to top golf for the first time so yeah you see that little marquee so that's cool uh today's guest i've never met before until i don't know 17 minutes ago and uh, you said i'm the last person in hampton roads that he's met is that true i think that that might be the case is that is that true, Bob? There's no one else left in the old, well, in the old region. I met a few this morning, so we may be closing in on a on, on the <laughs> total. But exciting times. Well, welcome Bob McKenna to the show. Representing great, the great to be here. Yeah, representing the Virginia Peninsula Chamber. That's a, it's kind of new branding. Yeah, no longer no longer. Uh, what, of BTC? commerce, yeah, yeah, uh, of commerce. Yeah, you know, did you know that, Zach? The community college stole our acronym, so we had to. How did that? How did that work? Did you? Did they? Uh, did you agree upon that beforehand, or was it? Uh... So yeah. So interestingly, the so my predecessor at the chamber, Mike Coons, who you know well, was was on the board. Um, oh, that's right. For, board of directors at the uh, Thomas Nelson Community College, and he called and gave us a heads up. But um, we had already decided that we were going to rebrand. And, and a lot of chambers around the country have taken off of commerce um, for whatever mm -hmm. reason. Maybe, maybe because we live in a soundbite world now. And that, that was just too much for people to swallow. So, uh, yeah, right. It was so, so every time I had to introduce myself, it was, you know, Virginia Peninsula Chamber of Commerce and say that three or four times and you get, you get twisted. But um, but Virginia Peninsula Chamber just seemed to work better, and the timing was perfect, and and it was uh, it gave me material for a joke to give uh, Dr. Brandon a hard time and her team over at uh, the community college, uh, and but we didn't get any extra money out of them, so so it wasn't uh, it wasn't fiscally uh, beneficial to us. Did you have the vpcc.com domain? We have .org, and we still do. 
Well, there yes. you go. You can sell or that back to them uh, for sell it back to them for five million dollars. Twenty million dollars. <laughs> you think they got that much? So, well, I don't, I don't know. know. So I think a lot, maybe a little extra in the annual partnership. Well, who knows? I think historically, businesses, maybe the community at large, they really don't understand what a chamber of commerce does and why they should be associated with it. Now taking of commerce off, can you just like run us through what a chamber does? Why should someone should care? And then you know the of commerce aspect, we just not care about money anymore. Like, like where, where where do we care? Like, what's the whole like origins of a chamber and stuff like that? So, so chambers uh, historically are, are business organizations that um, advocate for uh, for the economy, for business success, right? How to make businesses successful in the region, which kind of is like the rising tide that lifts all boats, right? If small businesses are successful and if major industries are successful, then uh, that's mutually beneficial. And and the chamber is kind of, has always been the connection point and the advocate for businesses uh, and, and the person who brings together everybody on events at which they can network and they can exchange information uh, and then they can collaborate to help improve the community and, and to make their own businesses successful. So the chamber is kind of the meeting point and the connector. And uh, and that's kind of always how it's been. Um, we have, in recent years, we've started working um, with the nonprofit community a little bit more. And and I had some questions early on when I first got to the chambers. You know, you're spending a lot of time working with nonprofits. <clears throat> um, how do the how do the private businesses, how does how does industry feel about that? And and my point to them was, well. Nonprofits are businesses also, right? And they also have boards of directors who are who represent the larger companies. So one of the ways that I have um, met everybody on the peninsula that I need to meet is by working with the nonprofits and meeting their boards. Uh, but the third point about nonprofits is that that's where the community begins. And, and if our charter is to work with community partners to help create conditions that that are conducive to economic growth, um, then part of that is ensuring that we live in a good community, and part of that is the work that the nonprofits do. Um, and then, and then certainly a big part of it is working with major industry from the area, and and then helping small businesses thrive and grow. So, so it's it's kind of a wide ranging job, right? There's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot that can be done. There's I have a very small staff. Um, so we really rely on community partners like Tim. I mean, Tim Tim has been great. We've worked with him on a number of things, uh, but but our staff is three full time people and three part time people. So so in order to do anything really effective and efficient, we have to find good community partners. So so if if in one word, I would say we're the connector. And then you you have what four four other C's five other C's. I don't know how many C's are you up to now. The seven so, sailing the seven seas yeah, and, of Bob McKenna. And that really should since because I have that Navy background, I probably right. should have just done the seven seas, but my board <laughs> always wants to get to three and uh the board, not my board. Uh but the, we have five, and then if we do those five successfully and do them well, then there's a sixth. Uh, but I always say five C's, and the five C's are um, we are a connector of people and organizations, uh, we are a convener of initiatives and meetings. Um, and that's kind of to get rid of that stovepipe attitude of like 10 different organizations working on the same thing, but never actually getting together and working on it together. So we're the convener of those organizations. Um, we're a collaborator, which kind of falls into the convener thing. But uh, but we have to collaborate, as I said before, because we have a small staff. And in order to get big things done, we have to find partners. Uh, but also we represent the peninsula in any regional initiatives. So that's how we collaborate. We're a conduit. Um, we're a conduit of, of important information, and we do that via our newsletter and via different events where we, we bring in speakers who are talking about important things to the business community. We also have that small business series, Tim, that you're familiar with um, that provides information to people who are interested in starting or growing their business. And then we're a champion of the great assets of the peninsula, and uh, the way we do that is is through events, but also through our newsletter. But it's, it's putting information out 
about some of the great assets that we have on the peninsula that should drive greater economic growth. So, for instance, yesterday we uh, we did a spotlight on the peninsula event at Hampton University. So um, a lot of people, that, there were 50 people, 50 to 60 people that showed up for the event. The, univer the new university president addressed the group, uh, General Williams, Daryl Williams. And uh, I asked the crowd how many of them had ever been in that Hampton University Museum, which is the largest black history museum in the United States. And, and probably 10% of the people in the room had mm. been in the museum before. So, um, so we just, we, we take people every once a month, we take them to different places that they may know about, but they've never seen. Mm. And, and the perspective is, is driven from an economic growth, economic development perspective, but it's the intent is to create ambassadors for the great assets we have. So they'll go back to their family and friends and fellow employees or whatever and say, Hey, you got to check this out. Uh, and that's in, in order to drive optimism and a positive attitude about the peninsula. So every once in a while, people think that we're the redheaded stepchild, right? Um, we're not. We're not Virginia Beach. We're not rich. Is is that politically incorrect, Zach? I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a redhead, I guess it is. But uh, but we're not the redheaded stepchild. Um, Richmond, yeah, everything so Richmond offends is, every everything offends. Yeah, I know. We and, we support and, and free speech on this platform. So very good. Fire away. I'm a big proponent of free speech. And in fact, I might be called a First Amendment absolutist. But but Richmond is the capital. Virginia Beach is like the tourism hub, right? Everybody wants to go to the beach. What's on the peninsula? We're just in the middle. Well, the peninsula has a Department of Energy lab that was just awarded the high performance data facility, which is going to inject not only inject 500 million into our economy, but it's going to have high paying jobs associated with it. And it's going to be a place where um, people from around the world come to study and do research and to and to tap into this supercomputer. Uh, we have the largest industrial employer in the state that also happens to be the only place in the world that builds nuclear aircraft carriers right here in our backyard, right? Literally in our backyard. We have NASA, uh, Langley Research Center. We have you know, Fortune 500 companies, we have great tourism, we have three great universities uh, and, and a community college. So we have so many great gifts from an economic growth perspective that I, I think it's part of our job is to convince the people that this is a great place to live. And, and then they can maybe convince their kids to come back here after they graduate from NC State or UVA or Virginia Tech or James Madison, right? And then we can convince the ones who came here to go to CNU and Hampton and William and Mary that this is a great place to stay and work and, and live. So, so we're yeah. we're marketing the area. Yeah. You notice he didn't say Virginia Tech there, so thank you, Bob. I did. So so sorry. I should have said Virginia Tech because that's where my youngest son is, the senior. We don't Virginia mention Tech. that school in this show. <laughs> <laughs> go Hokies. But it is it is interesting uh, when you when you talk to the student body at Christopher Newport University, a vast majority, I mean, probably upwards to 80 percent of them are from northern Virginia. Yeah. And so originally. Right? Yeah. So it's just a, it's always amazes me how many people will come down to Newport News to go to CNU, whereas everyone here locally, like the thought of them going to CNU is just, it's just a non-starter. They right. I get I get you want to get away from home. You want to be close to your parents. But. It's just it's it's interesting to me, the dynamic of that student body and the, the campus is gorgeous. So so let me comment on that, Tim. So I live I live a mile from Christopher Newport University. My kids all grew up going past CNU to go to grade school, middle school, high school. One of them went to CNU, but but that one went away to the Navy for four years. So he already went away mm. and then he came back and went to CNU and now he's in the army. But the other three, when I said to them, you should go, you should check out Christopher Newport University, their attitude was, I, I got to go away. So so I think that's why we have the Northern Virginia kids, because they kids are the same everywhere. They need to get away yep. from their parents, spread the wings a little bit. Um, so so our, our goal should be not only the boomerangs, getting them to come back, but getting those kids that have already left home and say, hey, this is a great place for you to settle and, and, uh, and raise a family and, and start a career. Uh, so I, there's also I just not had, a lot of schools. There's not a lot of schools in Northern Virginia. Right. Well, and, the, and it's a very expensive area to live, right? Even as a college student and George Mason or George Washington or one of those places. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's, it's a lot more expensive 
Uh, now there's more job opportunities maybe, but, uh, but who wants to be in the Beltway? I, I did a tour up there. I don't want to go back. I lived so there I think, for 20-something years. I haven't been back since. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's kind of like there's a big circle around the D.C. area, and I try to avoid it anytime I'm going. Well, and that yeah. circle just continues to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Right. I mean, it's just right. – it's before you would get to Stafford going south, and you were kind of like through the traffic, and now you're still in the thick of it. Through Sometimes that's where you hit it, right? right. You hit as soon as those hills start. Uh, you're backed yeah. up. So, uh, so tomorrow I'm driving to Reading, Pennsylvania mm. to watch the Hokies that Zach didn't want me to talk about uh, play rugby for the national uh, club championship semifinals. And and I said to my wife, I said, well, it'll take us six hours to get there without traffic, but it'll probably take us nine because we're going to have to go on a Friday afternoon kind of around D.C. somehow. And then Baltimore and Philadelphia, too. Yeah. How do you? No, go ahead. I'm, I, I'm not talking about so, traffic. We're not going to fix it. I, I have lived here. I, I, I will, let me let me just give you some backstory about me. A quick thirty second pitch. Grew up in Northern Virginia. Went to West Virginia University. Went back home for that summer, and then applied to a bunch of jobs, and then ended up coming down here in 07 to uh, work in in TV. That was supposed to be a quick one or two year to go somewhere else. I ended up during that time meeting a girl and I've stayed there since, right? Or stayed here since. I've heard this ever since I got into the business thing that like convincing kids or convincing people that this area is nice is this thing that this area wants to do. Honestly, if we're still talking about that 15, 16 years later, it seems like maybe we're not doing a good job of convincing people to do that. So like, but I think all of us live here. We agree that it's a nice place. What isn't working in this thing to try to convince the people who live here or their kids that this is a thing that maybe you should stay with? Because a lot of people from a lot of different places will come down. You got a lot of a lot of people right. from New York that come down here. A lot of people from Northern Virginia do come back down here. A lot of people do live here their entire lives. Like, is it just like this? What is it? The Napoleon effect that where we just don't believe or whatever? Right. Like, I don't know. Well, it just seems like. It's kind of like regionalism. It's kind of like you're just kind of the saying the same things for the last two yeah. decades, and that's only since I've been involved. It's like I'm gonna I'm gonna attack a second part to that question, Bob. All right. Uh, when when you're active duty Navy and you find out that you had get an assignment to Norfolk, is that generally a good thing, or is that like not not perceived as a good thing? Hmm. So okay, that's that's a good question. Um, my first tour in the Navy was in Jacksonville at Mayport Naval Station. And then that ship transferred to Philadelphia, which, I mean, no offense to the Philadelphia people out there, but because my family's from Philadelphia, but that's kind of the last place I want it to be. Um, <laughs> so so my next set of orders, well, I, then I went to Jacksonville again. So, And Jacksonville is a wonderful place. It's where I got married. My parents lived. Uh, great beaches, uh, just a, a great community. Uh, but uh, but then we went to I went to Newport, Rhode Island, which is another great place. And and then I asked for orders to come to Virginia Beach, to Little Creek specifically. So um, I didn't see anything negative about it. Uh, and because it's such a hub for for the Navy. Right. I mean, everybody eventually, if they're on the East Coast, eventually passes through Norfolk uh, and Virginia Beach. So um, so there may be some. Some people who have a, a bad idea in their head about this area, but I never did, and and uh, um, so yeah, I don't I don't know I <clears throat> I don't know how to answer that. I, I would say no, uh, because it's just it's seen as a navy hub, and sailors need mm -hmm. to be here, and officers need to be here if they're going to make a career of it. And then when you get here, you just realize that there's so much good going on. Um, so. I don't know if that's a good answer, but yeah, I'm just curious. One. I mean, I just, I know from my point of view, uh, in the air force, I, I had to pull as much weight as I could to get to Langley. I mean, like I had, I, I cashed in all my chips with two four-star generals to get here. And, uh, then once we got here, we, we weren't leaving because yeah, we fell in love with the area. So, so the other services are different too, right? Tim, like, like the Army and the Air Force, like Air Force have a, has a base in Minot, North Dakota, is well, that, right? I, yeah, I was in Grand Forks for three and a half years. Yeah, so so I this is about it. this is seen as a big step up from that. Hundred percent. The Navy, the Navy has 
San Diego and the Pacific Northwest and Jacksonville, Florida and Newport, Rhode Island, places like that. And so so maybe compared to those different places, which are a little bit uh, maybe have a more positive connotation to them, maybe Norfolk is seen as second best or third best or something like that. But I just never saw it like that. I mean, I, I've lived all over the place, even growing up and uh, and every place that I've ever lived, I found the positives from but mm -hmm. so so just take it a step further. When I retired from the Navy in in 2011, I was living on the river on the St. John's River on the base at Naval Air Station Jacksonville. And and I could have stayed living on the river after I retired. Uh, and I chose to come back to Hampton Roads and, and to Newport News specifically. So anytime somebody goes, oh, all the transitioning service members just want to get out of here. I, I say, well, my story is exactly the opposite. I was somewhere else and I wanted to get back here. And, and part of that was I had a job offer here. Part of it was I owned a house here. Uh, part of it was that two of my kids had graduated from high school here and the other two wanted to go to the same high school. But, uh, but there was a lot attractive about this area to me and, and there still is. So, so I find you know, part of my charter is, as the president of the Peninsula Chamber is, is to get out and be positive and talk to people about the great gifts here. And that's transitioning service members, most of whom leave. Um, and it's, it's college students at CNU and Hampton and, and William and Mary and, uh, and, it, and it's high school kids who I, who I try to, I usually try to talk them into uh, going to work at the shipyard or going to going into the military if, if they're undecided about what they want to do. Uh, but, but I'm always selling this area because I truly believe in it. I don't think it's uncommon for people to want to leave home that aspect of it, right. you know, there, there, there's definitely that, but, but the negative aspect, I mean, we're still talking about it, right? People are like, Oh, there's something the matter with this area, even like leaders, right? Like they talk about that. Yeah. And so they talk about it in like a negative way. And, and like, it's almost like their vernacular is continuing this conversation that needs to actually be 180 and be flip-flop to be yeah. like, Hey, like this is like, this is this thing. Like, do you feel it? Like, this is this thing in there that's like, hey, maybe it is a little bit stronger than you're you're giving it. Like, you're buying into this thing. Like, is regionalism really that, that are we really off on regionalism? Or are we just, you yes. know, continuing this conversation that is so ridiculous? It's just like, get over it. Like, to me, yes. regionalism is, is the stupidest thing in the world. Just do it together. Just work on things. Never talk about it. You can, you continue to have this conversation that is just, that it's just a waste of time, right? But people talk about it. I was on a conversation with someone earlier today and they're like, oh, we're working on regionalism. I'm like, there's nothing to work on. Just just yeah. stop talking about it, do <laughs> right. things. And that doesn't become the conversation. Like sometimes like you'll get big media press and that's what the people will talk about is, oh yeah, we're, we're trying to fix the regionalism. It's like, you have an opportunity to tell the world what you're doing and you're focused on this like minor little thing down here. Like hire a publicist yeah. to tell you what to say. <laughs> It right. Seems, seems no, no, you're absolutely right. So, so Tim, you were at that last Rising Tide event, and yep. uh, and I and I came out of that event, um, was talking to Howard Hagee, who's the the president and CEO of the Mariners Museum, and I asked him what he thought, and he said, "I love the positive spin," and he said, "I think regional leaders or or peninsula leaders need to always point out the positives that are going on." Right? There's there's enough false narrative out there that, uh, or or just narrative in general. It may be false or it may be not false, but um, but you know you talk about public safety and you talk about the public schools and everything. There's enough people talking about the negatives of all that kind of stuff that sometimes we you, we can work behind the scenes on that stuff. But when we get in public, we have to talk about the positives too, and we have to point out the things that I pointed out earlier. Uh, we've got you know 25,000 employees at the at the largest industrial employer in the state. We've got a Department of Energy lab. We have NASA. We have great universities. We have good entertainment. Uh, we have great geography, all those things that some people take for granted. Somebody has to be standing up at a podium and saying, we have great things going on in this community. We need to capitalize on those great things. Do we have weaknesses? Sure, we have weaknesses. And we have to mitigate those or make them into strengths. But let's talk about the strengths sometimes, too. Right. But here's the and thing I about that. People don't know that they, people might not know that information. They just might be like thinking, oh, well, all I know is what these people are telling me. But then when we just jump on board with stuff like that and don't actually bring out a lot of positives out there, it's like spin the narrative the way that you want it to. 
I don't mean that in like a negative way. I mean, like, tell the story that you want to let people know, present to the world what you know and how you see it and present that. And that's that's a monumental thing, uh, a monumental concept that I think a lot of people, not just here, but globally don't do. They talk about like the super technical or, oh, this is what I'm seeing from this perspective, but they don't actually share kind of the this is really where we are. There's a hundred. Right. I remember we used to do this thing called the State of the Startup Community Address. Tim had been there. And one of the things that we found is there's a hundred, at least at the time in like 2015, 2016, 112,000 active students in this region. That's a crap ton. Why aren't we capitalizing on that? That's a huge opportunity. You said four or five Fortune 500s. Huge opportunity. Uh, you got one of the greatest amusement parks in the world. You got one of the longest beaches in the in in, in Virginia Beach. You got all the largest na navy base in the world. You got the logistics hub. You got the 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 beer capital of of the Mid Atlantic. A lot of great things. And those are just things that I could think of. You know, off the top of my head, spin that. You yes. Know? Not some of this other stuff. So you're you're singing off my sheet of music, Zach. That's. That's fantastic. And, and I point, Tim, you, you see me all the time. I point it out all the time. So can I tell my Charleston story real quick, Tim? Ooh. You've heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. So so we went on a regional leadership exchange uh, back in May, Zach, to, uh, to Charleston, sponsored sure. by the Hampton Roads Chamber and took about 70 business leaders down there. And, and we go every year to a different place to kind of learn about what makes them successful. Right. So we've been to Denver and Raleigh, Durham. And, and this past year we went to Charleston. And, and after talking to a series of leaders in Charleston, I kind of formulated this, this narrative in my head about what I heard and what my response to it would be. But what I heard was, well, in Charleston, um, here's what's making us work. Um, we have military presence. And I said, you have nothing compared to what Hampton Roads has, right? Five services, seven or eight bases, largest Navy base in the world, Air Combat Command, TRADOC. Um, highest concentration of U.S. Coast Guard personnel in the United States. So, so Charleston pales in comparison. And then they said, well, we have advanced manufacturing. I said, well, what do you make? And they said, well, we make Volvo wagons and uh, Mercedes Sprinter vans. And I said, well, we make nuclear carriers and nuclear subs. Um, so they pale in comparison once again. And then, uh, then they said something like, well, we, we're surrounded by water. And I said, can I explain to you what Hampton Roads means? Um, and how many miles of coastline we have, both rivers and bay and and actually ocean. And, and then they said, well, we have history. And I said, welcome to the birthplace of America in, in you know, Yorktown and Colonial Williamsburg and Jamestown and Point Comfort. Um, so on, on every count, we had better assets than they have. But so why are they working so well? Well, they're, they're working so well because they have uh, first of all, they call, and we're not going to do this, but they call themselves Metropolitan Charleston, right? So all the surrounding areas call themselves Charleston. Um, so that's, but that's storytelling, right? And and I think the bottom line is they tell their story a whole lot better than we do. And they market their area and they say, hey, uh, wedding parties, come down and have your uh, your wedding parties down here and, and come down on your vacation and walk our cobblestone streets and go to our great restaurants. Um, we need to tell our story better because we have a great story. It's not the same story as Charleston, uh, but in a lot of ways, it's better than Charleston. And in yes. most, I mean, I don't. Charleston's too expensive for me. I love the place, but but I like living here. This is a better place to live, work, and play. They also have the uh, hit Bravo show, Southern Charm. I forgot to mention <laughs> yes, that. that they do. Very good. I haven't. I've never watched it. Believe it or not. Oh, nothing like uh, Shep. Bravo TV. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you said we're not going to do this, but they did it. So why not call it Metro? You know, the Metropolitan. Charleston? Yeah, you said that's what they do. Right. And here, right. my guess is, I don't know where you guys are on, on that, but like Metropolitan, whatever, you know, insert whatever city name here. You don't like that. That's just not going to happen. Like, well, where... I, I, I just don't think it's realistic to think it's ever going to happen. So, so you got what the, the seven cities. Um, do you think Hampton and Newport News are going to agree to call it Norfolk or Virginia Beach? Do you think they're going to agree to call it Norfolk? Even though that's what the I rest just, of the world calls it? Yeah, well, maybe. Yeah, I, I just don't. I, I think there's too many personalities, too much money, too many uh, people who are going to who are always going to say no. This, yeah, we would love to be called the major, the major Norfolk metropolitan area or whatever, but um, but I don't think people in the surrounding places are going to agree to that, right? And 
or hey, Bobby Dyer would love to call it Virginia Beach, but but Kenny Alexander and and other mayors around around the uh, Hampton Roads area are not going to agree to call it Virginia Beach. I just think there's there's too many fairly good sized cities who would not agree to call themselves by the name of another city, even in, even in the name of helping our economy grow. Yeah, it's a tough one. It's tough. It's, it's not. Well, <laughs> it's, I, I, I agree with that too. I agree with that too. It's well, it's, it's tough because of human nature. Right. I, I, I think I just don't, I just, I don't know that we'll ever get past it. You know, we had this regional branding initiative, what, five years ago now. Has it and, been that long? Wow. Uh, it's been, so it was before the pandemic. So it was. Uh, oh, that's right. So it'll be five years this spring that we started that uh, regional branding initiative. And and we went through all kinds of surveys, right? Surveys of the residents, sur surveys of uh, people who had come here in the last five years uh, to go to the beaches or for tourism purposes, um, site selection consultants from outside the area did all kinds of surveys and said, what should we call the area? And, uh, and I think it was kind of a mixed bag, but I think probably the majority of people decided from all surveys, I mean, if you put them all together, said, hey, keep, it, keep it Hampton Roads, right? Uh, there were certain pockets who said Coastal Virginia would work best. And I think most of those people were, were in Virginia Beach uh, or on the south side, you know, in the coastal, the more coastal area. Um, and then uh, some people, old school, really uh, wanted to call it Tidewater because that's what they've always called it. Um, and I think some site selection people said, well, you should call it Southeastern Virginia or Coastal Virginia. Uh, but the bottom line was we couldn't come to a, a definitive answer. Um, they were they, they started leaning toward Coastal Virginia. And uh, and then the kind of the decision was made that too many of the people who live here would just not buy into that. Um, and, and I agree with that. Um, and then they decided, well, let's just not rename it. Let's just brand it. And, and that's when they came up with the 757, which apparently goes back to uh, a story when Frank Beamer was the Virginia Tech coach. And he said something about UNC is not going to come in and take our 757 recruits anymore. And then and then the young kids were already hashtag 757 on social media. So we said, OK, we'll brand it because the goal really is talent attraction and and uh, retention and the young people drive that. And so let's just call it, let's just brand it as 757. And then promptly less than a year later, we had a new zip, a new area code. So, um, so some I people still, still, I still don't even know what that area code is. I don't either. Zach, any I idea? I think it's 434. That sounds right. Is it? But I don't know anybody that has that area code. I think it's mostly fax machines. So. Hmm. Uh, but, um, <laughs> Yeah, so it's, I don't even, I don't, if, if I could wave a magic wand, I don't even know what I would do. I oh. think I would still call it Hampton Roads and I would just tell the story better because it's unique, right? It's, we have 17 different city, county, you know, municipalities and, and all have their unique gifts and assets and, and weaknesses also. But um, if, if we kind of tell the story of this is what Hampton Roads means, that Ham has nothing to do with highways and has nothing to do with the city of Hampton uh, and, and explain the history of it. 948 is the other area code? That's the new one, 948. That's, that's, that's got a ring to it. Yeah, the, the 948. 948. <laughs> Hashtag 948. But um, so, I, so I, we're... You know, we're actually engaged a small group of people that's becoming larger every day, engaged in, in other branding discussions and, and uh, placemaking discussions surrounding the water and the connections, the tunnels and the bridges. Mm -hmm. So more to follow on that one. But uh, but that's uh, several regional leaders are involved in that conversation. And and uh, it for me, Howard Hagee, and I mentioned him before, the, the president of the Mariners Museum, has often said, and I think it's it's on the marketing material for the Mariners Museum, is that, that we're connected by by history and by culture and by the water. And, and I think that our narrative as a region needs to kind of follow that general theme. Like we are, you know, we, ha we have this very rich history. We have these waterways. We have all this coastline. And that really is what connects us. It's not what divides us. And, and now that we have this Hampton Roads Bridge Tunnel that's going to make the connection between the south side 
and the peninsula much easier. Hopefully people will be more willing to go back and forth. Although I did it for five years, it wasn't a big deal, but, but it will be less of an obstacle and more of a connection. So it's, I think it's time to capitalize on that, um, that connection aspect. And, and since we're the connector, I can kind of tie it into the chamber too. So. Why, why is there so many chambers, Bob? In, in Hampton Roads? Yeah. Oh, well, even uh, yeah. like a lot of early stage founders will ask me like, what, what chamber should, you know, should I be part of a chamber? What part should I be? Why are there so many? Um, I'm just, is there an answer to that? Or is it just everyone looking for their own tribe? Yeah, that I think it has more to do with everyone's looking for their own tribe. So, so I think there's there's a need for chambers, right? We fill a need for the especially uh, well, and and some of the chambers are filled different uh, niches. Uh, so, so the York County Chamber is focused on uh, obviously York County businesses. A lot of them are retail. A lot of them are located along 17, um, and it's kind of a community chamber, right? And I think they do a good job over there appealing to the businesses that they have there and advocating for those businesses. Um, this, this peninsula chamber has been around for over hundred years uh, and has probably um, in the past and maybe even pe people say even now focused on a lot of the big businesses and big industries around here. Uh, we're, we're changing that a little bit. We're, I, I think we've already been focused on smaller businesses too, but we're trying to change that narrative by actually offering some more programs um, for the smaller businesses. Uh, but, um, but I think chambers spring up because people see the need for a chamber and, and whether it's a business development or economic development chamber or a social kind of a chamber or a small community chamber. Um, they, they, the people, the businesses, uh, the retailers see a need and then it springs out of that need. So, so Williamsburg chamber is, is focused, you know, very closely on what's going on in Williamsburg, and Williamsburg is a community that has um, has specific needs and specific focus areas. <clears throat> um, York County Chamber, I already mentioned, same thing. There's an Isle of Wight Chamber that's that's more focused on Smithfield and the Isle of Wight, and then the Hampton Roads Chamber um, has a very large area, right, of of, uh, of businesses, and a, and a lot of them are really big businesses, so. So we all do something different, and I think we all do. We all have our strengths and our weaknesses, and uh, and different focus areas. So. I've just I've just always thought if there was, even if it was a, a an additional membership charge, if there could be some reciprocity amongst the different chambers. Uh, and we've discussed that, yeah. And and uh, we've also discussed uh, potential mergers, right? I mean, we've. We've talked to the Hampton Roads Chamber in the past about uh, joining our two chambers. And, and I can tell you that uh, the, the Peninsula business community was not in favor of that. Um, hmm. and, and that may that may eventually happen anyway. But but the Peninsula business community likes to have a presence here on the peninsula. And uh, and we and we fill that need. So uh, the I have talked to the York County Chamber about kind of subsuming them and merging together with them. And, uh, and they're not interested right now and that's fine. Uh, but we, but we do want to collaborate closer with them and they, and we will with this a new president coming in over there, we'll work and he and I are meeting in December uh, to discuss how we can collaborate closer. The Williamsburg chamber um, is never going to merge with anybody because they have specific needs and, and specific focus. Um, but Terry Benez, who's the president up there and, and, uh, and I are very close friends and, and we always talk about collaborating more and we do some collaboration. We probably do need to do a little bit more. And that's actually part of, of our chamber strategic plan is to, is to collaborate more with regional chambers. Um, so, so in the coming year or two, uh, we're going to be looking at doing leadership events with them and, and uh, uh, public policy advocacy stuff uh, more than we've done in the past. So, but as long as as membership is strong, um, those the chambers are all filling a need, and and they're and they're drawing members, and they're staying hmm. financially solvent. Uh, then then there's no need to get rid of them or or to merge. Interesting. Look, let's say that you're an Uber driver, or you have an Airbnb house, or you own a hotel, and and people are coming into town, and they they arrive, and they go to the front desk, they they ask you the driver, and they say, hey, I'm here. 
I don't know what to do. Where should I go? What should I do? What's your answer? It doesn't have to be one thing. It could be a series of things. But what, what would you tell people to do in the region? So so this is just somebody coming in for like five days in the region, right? Yeah. Just to visit. Okay. Yeah. Nothing else on their agenda. Um, so that's so that's all part of, I think, Zach, I think you, you hit a, a good point here. Because that's one of the ways that we can sell this area, right? Because you can come in and you can go from Williamsburg down to Virginia Beach and enjoy so many different things. Um, just in a five-day period. So you can start um, historically, right? Start and hit the, the historic triangle, hit uh, James, spend a half a day at Jamestown, spend half a day at the Yorktown, the American Revolution Museum and the battlefields, and then spend some time at Colonial Williamsburg, maybe at night, walk around and have dinner up there. Uh, the next day, you can, if you got kids, you can take them to Bush Gardens. And then you can work your way down the peninsula and and see things like the Mariner's Museum, which is designated by U.S. Congress as, as the uh, United States National Maritime Museum. Uh, and then you can, you know, drive a half mile or a mile down the road to the Virginia Living Museum and see that. And, th and then the next day, if you want to stay on the history note, you can pop over to Fort Monroe and Point Comfort and see the landing place of the first African-Americans, the first blacks to, uh, to reach our shore many, many years ago. Um, and then uh, and then the next uh, couple days spend down on the south side and you can and you can see and you can go spend a day at the beach and uh, and you can go to some of the parks down there in, in Virginia Beach first seashore national park you can you can take a boat ride around and and take a look at the carriers at the world's largest navy base um, so so there's so many things that you can do or you can go see a concert down there and you can you can come up here and see a concert at the Ferguson Center uh, there's so many great entertainment venues, recreational venues, um, sightseeing venues, history type sites that there's so much to do in a five day period in Hampton Roads. I think uh, that's that's our story. Right. Uh, and, and it's and it's not just for visitors and tourists. It's also part of the residence story. So so when I lived the first time I came to uh, Hampton Roads, I was stationed at Little Creek and I lived in Virginia Beach. I never came up to the peninsula except to go to Bush Gardens, right? So I wasn't aware of all the stuff that was going on in the peninsula. I, I think that story is is true today also. There's there's still people who live on the south side who think that the peninsula is flyover country until you get to the Bush Gardens exit. Uh, but uh, so we need to, to share that same story with our residents and with the college students, right? The college students come in and they go to William and Mary, and uh, and they spend all their time in Williamsburg, hitting the bars and the restaurants, and going to classes. And then when they have time off, they go home, wherever the home is. But we need to reach out to them a little bit more and show them the great assets and the great gifts we have here and the opportunities. Um, so, so yeah. So I think you hit on a good point, uh, that, and that's that's part of our narrative, part of our storytelling, part of that connected by water history, and then we can expand that to recreation and entertainment and everything else yeah the uh, fort monroe casemate museum is pretty cool and then i've only done this once i've driven by it many times but i did it with tim is the uh the nolan trail at the is that at the right. mariners museum it is the, it's, it's the it's the mariners Muse museum and park and that's the nolan trail is the park and it's yeah it's amazing that is the area's best kept secret yeah and and we don't need to keep it a secret necessarily, but uh, but I kind of like going out and walking and not seeing a thousand people. And, and I, wa I walk the trail all the time. So. Yeah, it's great. It is, uh, it's a, it is a treasure, for sure. Yes, absolutely. Well, so since we're on the topic of seeing things, doing things, experiencing things, generally we, we, we keep this uh, question towards the end of the show, but if you were to name one food or drink item that is notorious to Hampton Roads, what would that, what would that be? Buffalo's got the chicken wings. We got New York pizza, Detroit style pizza. We got barbecue, whatever the case is for what, what is, what is, what makes Hampton Roads special? Wow. Let's, <laughs> let's come back to that one. Let me, because I'm going to have to think about that for a little bit. I can tell you my favorite restaurants around here. Uh, but uh, but to nail down one food and, and maybe I'm just the wrong person to do that. But uh, what well, would you say? Tim? How about well, that? you know, so and this, that question stumps everyone. And I think that Zach, you know, Zach and I don't ask the questions. We're point? trying to stump anyone. We really want to understand what that is. 
I know one thing that I have grown to really appreciate uh, that is that is unique to this area. I guess there's two things. So there is the the orange crush from a beverage standpoint. Uh, and like so when we go on vacation, you know, like, God, I would love an orange crush, but no one had, no one knows what that is outside of this area. Uh, and the other thing that that family members request when we go back to see them is the uh, the white sauce from a Plaza Azteca and then the uh, the other Mexican restaurants around the area. Those those are the two things that we've kind of narrowed it down to. So so that's interesting because I was just eating at a Mexican local re Mexican restaurant and somebody told me that that white sauce is kind of unique to this area. I had no idea. So yeah. Okay, that's my answer. The white sauce. <laughs> I don't drink orange crushes. But but I so can I tell you some of my Smart. favorite restaurants? They're dangerous. Yeah, yeah, I would love to hear what you're. Uh... So, have you been to Kismet? Yes, the ninety-nine it, uh, on Main Street in Hilton. That's yep. that's kind of our go. Other than the Warwick Yacht Club, which is where we see you and Terry often, Tim, um, and I was there last night. Um, the Kismet is our favorite place, but up in uh, Williamsburg, the Fat Canary mm -hmm. uh, is is a great place. And if yeah. you can, the cheese the, the bar, cheese shop is also a uh, cheese shop is a great place for a sandwich. And and then the Amber Ox also is uh, right. is the best place for brunch. And then the Nest in Kiln Creek for brunch on Sunday is pretty mm. good. So, but there's so many other good ones too. Vanguard, I'm a big fan of Vanguard. Uh, the Baker's Wife in in Hampton. There's uh, there's so many good, and you know, I hate to list restaurants because now I'm leaving something out and somebody's going to call me and say, Hey, you forgot about. <laughs> well, I think that you, we are, re if Surfrider is really nice. And I, I do look forward to Fort Monroe when all of the renovations and, and redevelopment takes place there. I think that's going to really elevate Fort Monroe in, in ways that we didn't think that were even possible. But I will say that whenever we do leave this area, we are so spoiled from the craft beer scene. Like we have got a really, really great craft beer scene here. And we, it's super easy to take, take, take that for granted. And you don't really, really appreciate it until you leave the area. We have a pretty good bourbon scene now too. I'm not a bourbon guy, but uh, yeah. what, uh, what are, what are so, some places so I, so from the, the bourbon? The one standpoint? I'd like to mention is Ironclad down there by Newport News Shipbuilding. Yep. Uh, so I would say five or six years ago, I had uh, Ironclad, and I really didn't like it that much. But uh, but it's much better now. I just had some recently. It's very good. So, and, it, and it's just a good location and a good place. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. They, uh, there's that. There's Benny's right there, and there's... Uh, uh, is What's that at the end of the one city race? Yeah. Yeah. The, the coastal fer fermentory is yeah, there? Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a Benny's there now? Mm -hmm. There's a Benny's, yeah. Where did Benny's originate? Is it JMU? Uh, or or there's there's UVA and Virginia Tech and JMU. There's there's the, the one that Jack I Jack Brown Jack Brown's is originated at JMU, Tim. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. That's a great question. But the Joe Bros were serving up drinks at uh, College Game Day uh, that Friday night at there, and the place was. Yeah. Did they did they say who they're playing in the bowl game yet? No, they'll announce that Sunday. That won't come out for a couple of weeks, right? No, Sunday. Oh, is it okay? Hmm. No, I appreciate all the great things that you do uh, in celebrating. Our region, Bob. I, yeah, there there needs to be many, many more of you that are doing the same. I I, I really. <clears throat> so so that Rising Tide series is that's we're going to focus on that right, on telling people the good news that's going on, and then and not shying away from some of the bad news, right? The questions that we get from the crowd sometimes are, well, what's going to be done about public transit? And uh, yeah, so, what, what so do you we'll think the to address that? What is the biggest uh, the biggest or the the growing need that that you feel that, that you're hearing from the people you talk to that needs to be addressed? Uh, well, let me, let me let me attack that from just a, a different kind of perspective, because I think Zach was talking earlier about like the kids, like we've been talking for 15 years about keeping the kids here and they still leave. Um, so what do you hear from young people is like what's missing? Uh, and what I hear from them is is public transit right so you go to dc and you jump on the metro or you go to you know you go to new york and you can ride 
public transit all day long in some of the big cities in the Northeast. Um, but um, but this area is just not conducive to that. It's kind of like Charleston, right? We're separated by so many bridges and tunnels. It's it's difficult to get around the whole region in public transit. Um, but that's a complaint. Um, so maybe we have to kind of figure that out somehow. Um, I hear them talk about the entertainment um, offerings here, and you know the big the big concerts like. Uh, I don't know, Taylor Swift or, or somebody like that doesn't come here. So you got to go to Charlottesville. Or you, you Tay Tay. To right, Tay. Yeah, Tay, Tay Sway, right? Um, but um, but I, so that doesn't impact a 61-year-old guy who just wants to go to Ferguson Center and, and see uh, Kenny Loggins, uh, who's now old and gray. Uh, but, but that impacts the youth, the young people around here that we want to attract and retain. Um, and then I hear things like, well, we need more murals. And, and that really baffles me because I'm like, really, you're going to stay in an area because they have paintings on the side of a building. But, but that really is, is, a, is something that they want more of. And, and uh, Asa Jackson, who is, what is it, uh, CAN, is it Contemporary Arts Network, um, yeah. has, been, has been working on that. He's been, he's been on that soapbox for a long time and he wants more public art. And I think um, I think he'll be successful in doing that, and maybe that will retain and attract some, uh, because it gives a vibe. I guess is, is more it's more of a vibe than actual painting on the side of a building. And then they say stuff like food trucks. I'm like, okay, we got plenty of food trucks, but but I think what they're really looking for is a is a culture that's conducive to things that the young people want to do, and it's, so that's why you hear entertainment and how do you get around and 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 food and, and drinks and stuff like that so so i think that's kind of one of the things that that i would say that needs to improve here and that and that all goes to once again the place making the storytelling the narrative yeah. and the marketing of the region so so when all the tangible assets are there then we just need to tell people about them which we've been saying since the show began uh, and part of that is those things that i just mentioned now the other thing that you'll hear from people is um, well, public safety is a problem, right? And uh, but that's public safety is is an issue, and it's not necessarily a problem. It's an issue in every metropolitan area in the United States, right? And and uh, so once again, it's about telling your story. And and Mark Talbot, who's the the police chief in in Norfolk and previously was in Hampton, um, came to our lead class one time, and he said. He said, you know, you hear about these stories and you read them in the daily press and you see them on Wavy or whatever. And he said, but most of the people in this room um, are unlikely to encounter that kind of stuff. And most people that get that are the victims of violent crime here um, know the person who committed the crime. Right. So so that's part of that narrative. But it's still it's in the headlines of the newspaper every day. Yeah. And it's and, and when a six year old shoots. His teacher, it's in international news and national news, and that impacts our area. So, but it's, but it's, that's all about the narrative. It's all about telling the story. Um, the public schools, um, you know, and that, that one's public safety and public school related, that story. Um, we need to have a better, a better narrative about the public schools. And the Academies of Hampton has done a wonderful job uh, improving their schools and, and telling the story nationwide. Um, so, more of that in the area will, will, Help rise all boats, lift all boats. Uh, but yeah, but yeah. so so yeah, I mitigate weaknesses, right? Those are some of our weaknesses. We have to mitigate them. We have to tell the story better, or we have to make them strengths. Uh, I think we'll. Do you think we'll ever get a? Uh, and this is touchy. I know a professional you, sports team. Well, no, we we did talk about that, but I, I think that really the big thing beyond that is, will we ever get like a real airport? That, that that offers nonstop flights to uh, places other than Charlotte, D.C. and uh, Atlanta. I mean, I, I think that to me, that is the one thing that that would that bring everything together. For, it would bring businesses here because you could fly non nonstop. You could bring sports teams. You could bring the entertainment. Uh, and I know that if so, if I was to be able to wave a a magic wand, it would be like we have one big airport that i don't know put it in isla white or something you know where, where there's land and it's not landlocked and then that, yeah to me that that would be a game changer but so, it's tough so you know i talked about those regional leadership visits earlier and, and one of them was to denver right and and i'm going to tie in the professional sports team here too but um what does denver have that this area doesn't have other than 
325 days of sunshine or whatever they, they how they sell themselves, uh, and the mountains and everything else. I mean, Denver's a, a wonderful city, but they have that big airport that they intentionally built um, within striking distance with public transportation from the airport into the center of the city. And they did that because they knew that it was going to help them grow economically. And they did it, you know, quite a few years ago, but it has worked. Uh, but what else does Denver have? They have what, four or five professional sports teams. So, uh, so we're never going to have that. And, uh, and the airport, maybe that's something in the future down in the Suffolk area, somewhere down South. But in the meantime, we have Richmond, which is a pretty good little airport, right? Uh, which, which is, you know, Tim, you can get in your Tesla and not even drive and be there in an hour and 10 minutes. Um, Newport News, I flew out of there the other day uh, to te Texas, and you're right, it only goes to Charlotte. But Charlotte's a pretty good hub where you can get everywhere else. Uh, and then uh, and Norfolk, does Norfolk only fly to a few different places nonstop? Atlanta, Norfolk is, Norfolk is our go-to uh, typically. Yeah. And the crazy thing is the last few times we tried to fly out of Newport News, they changed our ticket and uh, rerouted us to to fly out of Norfolk anyway. Okay. So it's just uh, it's been. So so you know about the study that's going on right now, and I know everybody you know who's been around here for a while. They hear about a study and they go, oh, "That's just another study." But but I think this one is is focused on on real solutions, right? They're going to look at all the regional airports, which includes some smaller ones, obviously, than Newport News, Williamsburg, and and the Norfolk Airport and the Richmond Airport, um, and. Uh, and then look at what's the best utilization or the best usage of each one of those airports. Uh, and, and so maintenance, logistics, uh, um, commercial, private, you know, all the different possibilities that, that an airport can be used for. And then they're going to recommend, you know, I think what each airport can be used for. And, and when I look at Newport News Williamsburg Airport, I look at the location and the, the facility is a very good location. The runway is long. Um, it's kind of in that corridor, and Tim, and I think maybe you and I have talked about this before, between Jefferson Lab and NASA, um, you've got Ferguson, which is a Fortune, I think a Fortune 500 company right here. you got Newport News Shipbuilding, which is definitely Fortune 500. So there's a lot of business travel. There's the military here. They really can capitalize on that airport uh, and make it important and, and capitalize on the fact that it is a good facility and it is located right on the center of the peninsula. I can be there from my house in 10 minutes. And then from the parking lot to the gate in another seven or eight, because it's yeah. it's a very convenient airport. But uh, but they need more than American Airlines flying five flights a day to Charlotte. Uh, but but potentially they can be they can use that for something having to do with NASA or logistics. So so they're looking at all possibilities. I think this study will will be. Um, will be beneficial and be valuable to the region. And then we'll see what, what comes out of it. I, I don't, I, I'm cynical, not cynical. I, I, I don't think that an air, a big airport is, is in our near future, right? In, oh yeah. I, I, that, even in the next we, 20 if years. We can't, if we can't agree on a name, we certainly right. can't agree. On, you know, to... Yeah. A, a dream like that. I just, yeah, I mean, it, it's probably way too expensive and there's way too many people who would have to come together in a regionalism kind of way and decide. Sure. That that's yeah, yeah, and, yeah, you would and it seems to be a fifth rail that earth, is it a fifth rail or third rail? What's the proper third rail? It seems to be a rail that people do not want to touch. Right. Right. I mean, to your point, you, you mentioned Denver, but you know, Charlotte was the same way and Atlanta was the same way. Right. And, well, Charlotte, uh, Dallas, Charlotte, yeah. Charlotte and here were battling for us air. And we couldn't, the story goes, we couldn't agree as to where to put it, like yeah. in the middle of nowhere, which is where historically most airports are in the middle of nowhere. You know, right. they're not in the city center. Yeah. yeah. But that's except like national, you know, right? National is right there downtown. But, um, but I, so I remember growing up. That's because there's not a lot of tall buildings there because buildings can't be yeah. tall there. That's right. But so I, I lived in McLean, Virginia for a little while when I was growing up. And I remember my father used to fly out of Dulles all the time on business. And back yeah. then, Dulles the was in the middle of nowhere. I mean, there was nothing. Yeah. You got on that road, that expressway to go out to Dulles, you saw nothing for 10, 15 yeah. minutes until you got to the airport. And and now you drive there and you go, oh, my gosh. Look at oh, yeah. Much what is it? 66? Was 76 drive? Too, yeah. What's that? 60, just taking 66 to get to that uh expressway there or whatever to, to get into the airport yeah it's, it's wild you can thank steve case uh for making that a big mess by moving aol right there 
that's that's the big thing yeah but yeah i mean look airports are historically outside of a city 20 miles right. out that's yeah. what happens but you know. and, and i've seen it seen it in jacksonville florida now they built the same thing it's way out and now everything hmm. is just moving out to the airport so. yes bro hmm. what's something well, we haven't on. talked about that you want to talk about ask that again what is something that you would like to talk about that we haven't talked about? I think we've talked about just about everything. Well, yeah. We one thing that we right. haven't talked about that uh, you got a new location. Tell everyone about yeah. uh, about the new location. So, um, so we were in Hampton for many years, right? Um, Seventeen at the last location in Hampton, and uh, and it was a great facility that we were in. We had a good building. We had good space. Uh, we had a big parking lot, which is uh, important to a chamber. Uh, but it was it was kind of out in the middle of nowhere. So I, I jokingly say that uh, a city leader that will remain unnamed, um, all three times that this city leader came to the chamber while I was there in five years, um, they got lost. Uh, and 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 you should never get lost going to the chamber. And, and nobody should ever meet me out in town and say, so where is the Chamber of Commerce? Um, so we want it to be in a more central location. And so we looked around. We looked in, in areas in Hampton. Uh, because we love the city of Hampton, of course. Uh, we looked at Newport News, which is home to uh, the highest percentage of our members for the Peninsula Chamber. Uh, we looked a little bit in York County. We looked at one building in York County. Uh, but um, but we settled on uh, city center because because it's it's the hub, really, right? It's right in the center. There's, there's entertainment here. There's restaurants here. There's big business here. Um, and, and it's easy to easy access to 64. Uh, and to Jefferson, obviously, we're right down the street from Jefferson. And we had a street side location with a sign over the uh, over the door. And, and people can walk in and say, hey, I, uh, I just started a new business and I saw the chamber here. So I wanted to come and, and get a membership package. So um, so it's just a great location. And, and it's uh, uh, it's also 10 minutes from my house, which is wonderful. Although the past one was the past one was only 17 minutes from my house, so it wasn't a big commute. Uh, but the other thing I, I like about it is is I'll go out, I'll be sitting at my desk sometimes, and I'm just making phone calls, and it's a nice day. And I so I walk out and I walk around the fountain two or three times and sit on a bench and just have conversations and catch up with people. And while I'm doing that, I walk into Mayor Jones or, or Senator Monty Mason, or which I, I did uh, not too long ago, uh, just walking around and, and or I run into you know, somebody from Langley Federal or somebody from Riverside or somebody from Ferguson. Um, and it's uh, so it's just it's a convenient location um, and it's convenient for people to get to. And it's convenient for me to get to people. And and uh, and my staff likes the safety and security and uh, and the restaurants that are nearby. So it's just uh, it's just a net big plus. Yeah, I agree. It is it is really nice um, to be at your new location and look out the windows and see foot traffic. Uh, yeah. I mean, that is just something that there's not a lot of places that offer foot traffic. And really, yeah. Zach, it reminds me of the being down in Hatch back in the day uh, with all the foot traffic going around Granby. Uh, it's really it's, it's awesome. And you've got a great staff and, and you and, I, and I, growing, I, a growing staff, too. So. Well, I, I just I appreciate how lean and nimble and and mighty you all are. You put on a ton of events. Uh, you provide a lot of value, and uh, yeah, it's I, I appreciate what the five C's and all that you're doing for the region. So I didn't mention the sixth C. If we do the five C's right, so the sixth C is that that we're a catalyst for economic growth. If we do those other five C's correctly. Right, and that's and that's in our mission statement now that uh, to be a catalyst for economic growth. But but can I can I just talk? I did re realize something I didn't talk about. Yeah. Do I have another minute or so? So so we just finished a strategic plan. So the board of directors, my executive committee, um, we sat down and we had probably ten to twelve meetings, and we put together a strategic plan which will drive our um, our direction for the next couple of years. And and the three main pillars. Um, so the three main lines of effort, I, I guess, is a good way to put it, are leadership development. And we have the LEAD program and we're developing some other uh, leadership programs, uh, regional collaboration. And, and notice I didn't say regionalism. It's, it's more focused on collaboration. And that is uh, is being a representative to uh, regional initiatives. Uh, and then the third one is advocacy. And advocacy comes in many 
shapes and forms. And, and uh, most people think public policy advocacy. So we are going to take a greater um, involvement in public policy advocacy, advocating for our businesses in the region. But but advocacy also means um, instruction and uh, networking and marketing and all those other things that the chamber traditionally does for for businesses that are members of the of the chamber. So so I'm excited about the new strategic plan. Um, it's going to drive, like I said, it's going to drive our direction, our actions. It's going to help us um, determine exactly what resources we need to accomplish the object objectives, and uh, like a strategic plan does. But we're going to unveil it at our annual meeting, which is on December 12th. So, and and then we have a new chairman coming in. We have several new board members coming on. Uh, so um, every time I think, boy, I've been at this job for five or six years now. Maybe I should start looking for something else. I get excited because because we uh, because there's exciting things going on. You know, like the Jefferson Lab announcement. But uh, so much good stuff going on in the peninsula. We're happy to be right in the middle of all of it and helping to drive some of it and, and drive that constant improvement. Well, I, I, I appreciate talking about all the great things and, and we, we touched on some things that need to be addressed. And so in that case, you got, you have, you have some job security for you for a little while. You got to, you got some things to address possibly yeah. solve. But, I just have to not step on my tongue or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, From I, first event, I, I have to watch. Sometimes I have to watch what I say, but you know, I don't say anything very. No, and I, you know, and, and someone's got to say it. So I, I appreciate your candor as well. So, uh, yeah. Otherwise, we're just going to continue be, uh, marching to the the same beat of the same drum, and nothing's going to change. So, and as we know, wow. the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different expecting result. Different yeah. Well, Bob, I appreciate you. And uh, likewise, that's oh, good. Thanks for being here. Cheers. Thanks, Zach. Nice meeting you virtually.